This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here. I've got my co-hosts, Graham Williams and Christina Stoyanova in studio. We have a lot to talk about on today's program. Of course, later on, uh, what's streaming on Netflix, Crave TV. We'll also be uh, talking about the Hot 5 apps this week, and it's the Hot 5 apps for bookworms. You'll want to stay tuned for that. And a really, really important and, and interesting uh, topic, and it has to do with the uh, opioid crisis uh, that's happening uh, across North America, not just here in Canada, but throughout the U.S. as well. There's a new app that uh, first responders are using down in the U.S. that uh, they hope will uh, reduce deaths and uh, better uh, allocate resources as well. We'll be talking with uh, Jeff Beeson uh, down in the Washington, Baltimore area about that. So uh, it, it's super interesting. I really encourage you to stay tuned for that. Let's start off, though, with some of the app news uh, out there, guys. Uh, And starting with GPS, uh, Broadcom apparently has a new chip that could be in smartphones as early as next year that will increase the accuracy of GPSs from, uh, you know, five meters in many cases down to almost one foot. Yeah, so this is a great new technology that Broadcom's going to be rolling out, and it looks like Qualcomm will be possibly rolling out something uh, for Android phones uh, shortly after that. But this is actually a technology that's already available um, if you've got a new iPhone uh, 8 or iPhone 10 uh, due to the Galileo navigation system, which Europe launched a few years ago. Um, it's actually accurate down to one meter for uh ordinary consumer use, but it's accurate down to one centimeter if you pay a fee for commercial use. So, wow. Yeah, so this is, this is really, really accurate So are, if you have a newer iPhone, and what's a newer iPhone? So that's the iPhone 8, the iPhone 8 Plus, and the iPhone 10 all have the ability to use the Galileo uh, navigation system. That is very cool. So yeah. if you have that, you don't have to wait. Yeah, and I mean, the nice thing about this is, you know, three meters, it's about 10 feet, and that's, it seems fairly close, but when you're moving at speed, that's the difference between being on the highway and being on an on-ramp. When you get down to one meter or around three feet, it's very accurate even for traveling at speed. So it's going to be much better for using GPS uh, as a navigation tool in the car. It's also a lot of fun for geocaching. So if you're uh, out there looking for things hidden in the forest, there's a whole subculture of geocaching out there. More accurate GPS means uh, more accurate geocaching, which means more fun. Christina, I know there's uh, this story that you've been following. Uh, there's an app that lets middle schoolers ask their phones for real talk about sex. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing, actually. This was part of a graduate uh, program out of the University of North Carolina. A couple of, um, of students there put their heads together and wanted to help reduce teen pregnancy and... Uh, they have put together this app called Real Talk that basically uh, allows students to consume stories, real stories, actually, um, on common topics like STIs and uh, sex and things like that. Um, And they can actually consume that story through text messages. And they can download this app themselves. They don't have their parents involved? No, this is on the App Store. I actually looked it up. It's definitely there and downloadable for uh, anyone who's interested. I think a lot of parents might not like that. (laughs) Do you think? Well, the thing is that sex education, I mean, I don't know if you remember that far back, Mike, but uh, it typically... We didn't have sex back then, so we didn't need any (laughs) education. But uh, it typically elicits a lot of eye rolls when you have, you know, a teacher standing um, and talking at you in front of a classroom. So this is a way um, to, you know, speak to kids in their own language. 
It, it can be kind of a challenge because, I mean, when you talk about these topics sometimes, even as kids, you know, you might be afraid to ask a question. So being able to interact with an app that would be able to give you that answer without embarrassment, uh, without sort of feeling silly about it, it's a great way for kids to get this information. And we've seen that the more educated that youth are, the less at risk they are for teen pregnancy, the less at risk they are for STIs. I think this is a great app. So where do babies come from? Sparks. <laughs> Just, they're downloaded from the App Store, actually. <laughs> So what's interesting about this app, actually, it has raised over $400,000 in funds from the U.S. government. Wow, that's that's great. I, I, I think that's actually a useful tool. Uh, you know, I think a lot of parents uh, have a hard time talking to their kids about sex, uh, including me. Uh, so if there are uh, apps like this that can help make that easier uh, and give them the education they need, um, you know, I think I think that's a good thing. Uh, Want to quickly talk about uh, Signal? This is a uh, encrypted messaging app, Graham. Yeah, so Signal is an encrypted messaging app that's being used by privacy advocates and ordinary people all over the world. The idea here is that it is end-to-end encryption between uh, iOS and Android devices. Uh, anything basically that uses the Signal app. The great thing about this is that you can connect to anyone and have this communication protected between the two of you. The challenge in the past has been that as you upload your contacts, uh, essentially there could be a point of weakness where government agencies or hackers could ask for that contact list and know who you're talking to. So Signal has rolled out an update now where basically what they're doing is they're taking the encrypted contact list that you upload They're checking for connections in real time and then immediately deleting that information. They don't have access to it past that, protecting people from hackers and from government agencies. It's a smart little add-on to a very secure app. Let's uh, do some iPhone learning now. iPhone tip of the week. Unleash the power of your iOS device. What do you got, Graham? So today's iPhone tip of the week is using your Bluetooth car stereo to remember where you're parked. So this is a new feature in iOS 11, and it's turned on by default, but you might not know it's there. When you pair your iOS 11 iPhone with your car's Bluetooth stereo, you'll turn on a feature called Show Parked Location. You can find that under Maps in the system menu under a heading labeled Your Car. So when you park your car in a place that gets GPS signal, your iPhone will remember where you've parked when your phone disconnects from your Bluetooth radio. So you turn your car off, Bluetooth turns off, it will actually put a location in Maps and available in Siri as to where your car is parked. So you can ask Siri, where did I park my car? And she'll tell you. It's automatic, and the only thing you need to do is pair your phone with your radio. So that's this week's iPhone tip of the week. Remember where you parked your car with Bluetooth. Thanks, Graham. We have a lot more to talk about on the App Show today. Uh, Coming up next, you have to stay tuned for this. We're all concerned about the fentanyl, the opioid overdose crisis here in Vancouver and across Canada. It's obviously hitting down in the U.S. in a big way as well. We're going to talk with uh, some folks down in uh, the Washington, Baltimore area that have a web app that uh, can help track them in real time uh, to hopefully save lives and really allocate resources better. Stay tuned. You're back with the App Show. We have an interesting topic now to cover, something that uh, has uh, really hit home here in Vancouver and a number of Canadian cities, uh, sorry, North American cities, uh, the opioid overdose crisis. On the line right now, we have our guest. His name is Jeff Beeson. He's a deputy director of the Washington Baltimore High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area. Thanks for coming on the show, Jeff. That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, you know, listeners are probably wondering right now, why are we talking about the opioid crisis uh, on an app show? Well, I wanted to get you on the program. Uh, I read a a really interesting article on on what you're doing down there. You guys have an app that actually maps uh, opioid overdoses in real time. Tell our listeners how this works, Jeff. Yeah, thanks. 
so, so the application, uh, the program that we developed, it's, uh, it, it, it's sort of an app, but it's also a, a mobile website. Um, and basically, we saw a problem in that there is a lack of information sharing between public health and public safety officials. Um, disparate groups are collecting overdose information in a variety of ways, but they're not really taking advantage of technology to make their jobs easier. Um, so we said, you know what, let's, let's put a program together that gets first responders, fire, police, EMS, professionals that are in the field responding to an overdose. Let's give them a tool so that when they're responding, they can, at the click of a button, log an overdose. The type and whether or not some type of naloxone or Narcan has been administered to revive that victim. And we want to have them be able to do it in two seconds, no more, just very quickly. And then that information will populate on a back-end map database that public health chiefs, public safety chiefs, anybody can jump in, take a look, and be able to track overdoses as they're occurring in real time. And further, we wanted to set up a, uh, an alert protocol so that if a specific region has a spike, that that notification would go out via email to these officials and they can let the community know and have some type of a response protocol, hopefully to prevent future loss of life or to get a handle on what's happening right now. I want to dig into that further, but let's just step back a second. How big is the opioid uh, crisis down in your area? Uh, in the U.S., I'll tell you, this, this past year, over 60,000 fatalities. Uh, our, our fatal incidents have increased by 19% since last year. Uh, it is the number one cause of accidental death for individuals under the age of 50, surpassing car accidents. Um, it's a crisis. We are literally at a crisis point. And I'll tell you, there's some reasons for that. You know, drugs are getting stronger. They're getting more potent. And more importantly, synthetics like fentanyl are continuing to enter our communities. And, and, and they're being infused in other drugs, and, and they're killing people. And, and it's these synthetics and the infusion uh, of these, you know, into the, into the drug supply that, that really has us all worried. And we know we need to take a different approach to this. Uh, our law enforcement partners all agree we can't arrest our way out of this. Our, our public health partners agree it's impossible to have enough resources to treat our way out of this. So we really need to come together and, and, and attack this problem differently than we have before. And, and we need, you know, in any good protocol, we need real information. And, and we need to be sort of operating out of the same uh, protocol, the same playbook, so that we're, we're looking at the same data and responding, uh, you know, sort of uh, commensurately along across the board. Everybody has the same plan to attack this. We're talking with Jeff Beeson. He's the Deputy Director of the Washington-Baltimore High-Intensity Drug Trafficking Area uh, about a web app they have uh, created and are using to track opioid uh, overdoses. Uh, how did you even get this started? Like, what was, you know, the starting point for this? It's not easy just to get everyone on board and, and create this this type of app. Sure. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know, we have the HIDA program, right, High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area program, and this is a uh, federally authorized program that supports law enforcement agencies throughout the U.S. Um, and, and what it means is we often find ourselves not only in law enforcement meetings, but because we're trying to address the drug threat, we are always at public health meetings. And uh, it was one such meeting here in our area in Maryland, uh, in Baltimore City, and we were speaking with the public health chief. And, and, and the health chief was lamenting the fact that they really did not have a good handle 
on what's going on. And, and that's really the case that we find across jurisdictions is, yeah, we're tracking fatalities, right? We, we, know, we know after months of, you know, ME reports and they do talk screens, we, we confirm that it's a fatal overdose. We have that data. So at the end of the month, at the end of the year, at the end of the quarter, we have numbers of fatalities. But we're not tracking non-fatal overdoses, not the way we should. And more importantly, we're not tracking them across jurisdictions. So we know that there are areas that have a high supply, high fatality rate, high overdose rate. And then we have neighboring counties that may have a lesser rate, but they're dramatically impacted by those other areas. So if we're not sharing information across jurisdictions, we're not going to be able to make an impact. So in this meeting, our director, Tom Carr, was there, and he sort of said, you know what, let's just go back and build something. Let's make an app. Let's make something that's easy for our first responders to use in the field in real time. And he came back to us and he said, you know what, uh, you got 30 days, build it. Right. <laughs> 30, 30 days. <laughs> 30 days. And, and we sort of, you know, laughed, but then we said, yeah, we can do this. And, you know, we're incredibly lucky here. We've got a, a team of, uh, of IT professionals and architects that are, that are just incredibly skilled, and they built the program. And we met the 30-day deadline, and, and we've rolled it out. And I'll tell you, you know, we've tweaked it along the way. Uh, but we've been recognized for taking a very simple approach. You know, we, we weren't trying to create uh, the perfect, uh, you know, the perfect machine to, to accommodate everybody's needs. Uh, we created something that works, and, and folks can change their policies slightly, uh, change their protocols, and, and now all of a sudden they have a tool which on the law enforcement side gives, gives, gives an, you know, an investigator, an analyst, a detective an opportunity to follow the trail of drugs and to use it as a tool for investigative purposes. But more importantly, on the public health side, now officials have a chance to react in real time. That sounds great. Now, obviously, the power of something like this is in adoption rates. What types of adoption rates are you seeing across other jurisdictions of this app? Yeah. So we, we had a slow rollout. Um, we began in um, uh, a small area within our area of responsibility um, in uh, two counties in West Virginia. One county in Maryland was where we started, and we did that back in January. And we used those three counties as a pilot, and we carried that through um, uh, really to May. And then in May, we began opening it up to, uh, to, to other states and other jurisdictions. And we've kind of spent this summer working, you know, slowly but surely to, to expand it. And we've really gained a lot of traction. We're now live in uh, 19 states. Uh, we have over 90 different county agencies that are actively contributing data to the system. So these would be first responders, sheriff's offices, fire, EMS. They're in the field. They're putting data into the system. And then we have another 185 agencies on the back end that are actively engaging with the information. They're either viewing the map, they're either getting the weekly reports, they're pulling and extracting their own reports, or they're getting email updates when spikes occur. And, and, and that notification prompts them uh, for a response. So I would say over the past two months, the, the growth has been incredible. Um, and, and we've done a lot of demonstrations uh, nationwide. So, and I should say in Canada, we did one in the Waterloo region uh, a few months back. Very cool. Uh, obviously, I, I imagine the overall goal with this would be to save lives. How, how would you measure something like that? So, you know, that's, that's, there's a lot of different ways that we've talked about looking at this. And, and what we're doing is um, the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC here in the U.S., uh, we've got a meeting coming up with them, and we're bringing some of our stakeholders together uh, to talk about a protocol and to talk about what success would look like. And, and these are our public health partners. You know, we're the law enforcement side and they're our public health side. 
Um, we're looking at individual areas, and we're saying, okay, what is the rate of response for our paramedics, right? So from this data, can we help them do a better job? Can we help them maximize their resources and create some efficiencies? Um, and, and the way we're doing it is, again, uh, at, at the micro level, we're saying, okay, what are your run rates on times of, of high overdose reportings, right? So we know it's typically on the weekends and at night. So if you've got a run or a response rate and, you know, it's 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and you've got a higher rate of fatalities than a neighboring county where they have a 10- or a 15-minute rate, can this data help you adjust your staffing to make sure that you reduce your response rates during those peak times? And here all of a sudden now you have the data. So that's, a, that's, a, that's something where we're looking at at the micro level. Macro, can we impact communications? And that's the biggest thing. You'd be surprised how many times we go to a public health chief at a local jurisdiction and we say, hey, have you met and spoken with your counterpart on the law enforcement side, whether it's a, a sheriff, a police department, or something like that? And they haven't. And they haven't discussed this issue at all. If we can create a system, and this map is that system for them to communicate, break down those silos, and do it effortlessly, then we know we succeeded. So in, in taking a look at the micro level, at some of that micro level analysis and how do we deploy our resources appropriately, and then the macro level, breaking down communications barriers, you know, ultimately we believe that that rate of fatality will decrease. And this will just be a tool. This is just a component. Um, but in my opinion, getting good data, having accurate data in real time, is, is the most important thing we can do right now to set the stage for how we respond to this epidemic. Jeff, uh, really love what you're uh, doing with this uh, web app. And again, we're talking uh, with Jeff Beeson. He's the Deputy Director of the Washington-Baltimore High-Intensity Drug Trafficking Area. Uh, they're using an app that they've created called uh, OD Map, uh, a web app that tracks opioid overdoses in real time. And uh, it'd be great to see this rolled out in, in many more states and, and even provinces. Uh, is there any place that people can find out more information about this, Jeff? Yeah, we've got some information on our website. Uh, it's www.hidta.org backslash ODMAP. Thank you, Jeff. Pleasure. Thank you. You are back with the App Show. It's Mike, Christina, and Graham uh, in studio. We still have a lot more to talk about on today's program. We're going to be chatting about what's streaming this week on Netflix and Crave TV. We also have Crazy App of the Week, Travel App of the Week as well, uh, near the end of the program. And we'll also be finding out what's going to be hot and happening with the new Google announcements coming up uh, this week. Uh, they have uh, announcements uh, coming up on October 4th, kind of like the uh, the Apple version, but in the Google sphere. But right now, uh, you know what time it is. The weekly app, Hot 5. This week, it's Hot 5 apps for bookworms. And I'm sure this is your doing, Christina. It is my doing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. For people that love to read, we have the Hot 5 apps this week. What do we got at number five? Number five is the Indigo app available on both platforms. Uh, this is Canada's biggest bookstore, but it's on your phone. So you can get all of the books. Um, you can buy them on there. You can get personalized recommendations. You can keep track of your plum rewards, points, and all of that good stuff. The only thing you can't do in there is read. So this is for ordering physical books. That's right. Yeah. My uh, my wife will still not go to an e-reader. She loves getting the, the physical books. Uh, I can go both ways. Can I get the other stuff from Indigo in there as well, like throw pillows? Yeah, of course you can. I do love a good throw pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Christina. We have the Kindle app, again, available on both iOS and Android. And this one is great if you 
own a Kindle e-reader because you'll be really familiar with the experience. But basically, it has over a million e-books for purchase. There are some free ones on there as well. Well, the cool thing about this app now is uh, the Kindle is Amazon's e-book reader. And now you don't even have to own the e-reader. You can actually get the app on your iPad, for example, or any Android tablet, even uh, your PC or Mac, and you can get these e-books. Yeah, my big favorite feature in this one is X-Ray. I don't know if you've used this, but basically what it is is you can tap the X-Ray button, and it will give you context to different words, different characters, if there are historical connections to things. I think that's probably the, the best part of the Kindle experience. That is really nerdy. I've never tried that. Oh, yeah, no, it's oh totally God. cool. I, like, you can, I can't believe I'm doing this You can segment. actually see the frequency of how many times a word shows up in a book. It's awesome. Am I the only one who uses X-Ray? Apparently, Unreal. and I own a Kindle. I am picking the hot five next week. <laughs> <laughs> weirdos. <laughs> we still have three left. Okay, number three. <laughs> number three is Kobo. So this is the Kobo version of the Kindle app. Uh, again, extensive catalog of eBooks that you can uh, download right to your Android or iOS device. Uh, and they're there for purchase. And there are some free ones as well. They also have their Kobo Reader uh, eBooks. They make actually really good eBook readers. The one thing I, I like about the Kobo uh, path instead of the Amazon Kindle path is that Kobo uses the open EPUB standard. Uh, that uh, you know, libraries and uh, a number of e-readers uh, use as well. As well, whereas uh, Amazon and Kindle, it's a proprietary uh, ebook format. Yeah, the other thing about the Kobo is they make that cool H2O version that's waterproof, which I'm sorry, but if you love to read, you're doing this in the bath, on the beach. There are lots of opportunities to drop that ebook reader. Number two. <laughs> I'm on my own there, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Number two is Scribd. Uh, this is an interesting app that I just discovered. It gives you a, an opportunity to purchase a subscription and then have unlimited access to over a million books. How cool is that? So, sorry, a million books? Like free books? Yeah, so you pay the subscription and then you can uh, oh, enjoy okay. all of the books in its library. How much? It's eight ninety nine a month. So Which is, it, is nothing if you're powering through, you know, three or four books on your Kindle. Okay, so but is this like normal books? It's not like weirdo books from like the 1800s. No, I actually cruised through their library and it's great content. They do also have a copy of Lady Chatterley's Lover if you are into the 1800s weird stuff. Okay, that book is not that weird. Okay, this, this segment <laughs> is just not ending. Okay, number one, number one. Goodreads. So this one is one of my favorites. I have it on my phone and it lets you uh, keep track of all the books that you have read, all the books you want to read. And there's also a bit of a social component on there. So there's lots of reviews of books and you can also connect with friends so you can see what they're reading and want to read and be inspired by them. Let's switch gears now. Thank you, guys. That was the Hot 5 uh, apps for bookworms. Uh, let's switch gears now and find out what's happening with Google. On the line, we've got our good friend Brian Jackson from IT World Canada. Thanks for joining us today, Brian. Happy to be here, Mike. Well, uh, I want to talk Google. There's a, a big uh, Google announcement coming up uh, this week. Uh, they are bringing in a bunch of developers uh, to talk about uh, what's happening with the future of Google. What uh, can we expect to see? Well, this is sort of Google's answer to the big Apple event that we just had where we learned all about the iPhone 8 and the iPhone X. Of course, 
Google's now going to take its turn and say, well, we've got some new smartphones coming out, too, with the Pixel 2. So, you know, Google last year got into its own hardware uh, game, I guess, uh, releasing the Google Pixel smartphone. And we're seeing the the successor to that launch this this year, sort of like a sequel uh, with the Pixel 2. We'll have a 5.5-inch version we're we're expecting and a 6-inch version. And, you know, just that next uh, step up in technology, maybe a few features that it should have had last year, but will be on its second kick of the can when it comes to smartphone design, something like waterproofing, uh, which we've sort of come to expect on our new modern smartphone hardware. So we could see things like that added to the device. Then, of course, we'll expect them to be launching... Um, a new piece of hardware to support their Google Assistant, the sort of idea of having a smart speaker in the home. Right now they have the full-size Google Home, and we expect to launch a mini version of that that'll be less expensive and a bit smaller, you know, sort of the analog to the Echo Dot that's available on the market in the U.S. right now. And then finally, um, I think we'll see a new VR headset that you use with your smartphone. Uh, Google brands that as the daydream. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking about what's streaming this week on Netflix and Crave. Stay tuned. You're back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with Graham Williams and Christina Stoyanova. Still a lot more to talk about on today's program, including crazy and travel apps of the week and also what's new and streaming on places like Netflix and Crave TV. Before we get there, though, we're going to talk about uh, the streaming app of the week. Graham, what do you got? Uh, This week's streaming app of the week is City Video. It's available for Android, iOS, and Apple TV. Now, City Video carries access, free access to streaming versions of some of the most popular shows on television right now, including The Mindy Project, The Bachelorette, and the new sci-fi show, The Orville. It's supported by ads, so it's free to download and free to watch. Uh, This is our streaming app of the week because they've launched a number of new features with iOS 11, including uh, both an iPhone and Apple TV version before it was iPad only. So it lets you watch on multiple platforms. And if you're on the Apple platform, it uses iCloud to sync your place in any given show so you can start on your phone or your tablet and pick things up on your Apple TV. City Video also supports picture-in-picture on your iPad, so you can watch and do other stuff at the same time. The only downside to City Video, well, it can play up to six ads in a row while you're watching. This is an app that's sorely in need of subscription to scrap those commercials. So give it a shot. That's City Video, available for Android, iOS, and Apple TV. Sounds like a good one, uh, Graham. City TV has a lot of great shows. Do you find that most of their shows that are on regular uh, TV are on there? Yeah, you can actually find uh, a lot of the existing shows and then some that have actually gone off the air, which you can watch on demand now. So basically just pick an episode and go from there. Very cool. Well, let's jump into what's streaming this week. Streaming this week. Christina, let's start with uh, Netflix. Uh, What do they got going on uh, this week or this month? This week, we have Grey's Anatomy Season 13 coming to Netflix. Oh, my God. Who did this? You think nobody's going to realize this is you? You're going to turn me over. You could go to jail. The Grey's Anatomy season premiere Thursday, September. Not my favorite show. I know that you love it. Uh, McDreamy, McSteamy, season 13 on Netflix. Okay, uh, so McDreamy and McSteamy are both dead. So you're a little out of <laughs> date here. Sorry if, I, if I've spoiled old episodes for anyone. McDeady? Is that... <laughs> 
Well, this is this is this is great news for me. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, it's a show you want to watch. Queue up season thirteen. Let's roll. <laughs> and Christina has just given major spoilers for those people that haven't caught up yet. So sorry, folks. <laughs> let's just move on to what else is streaming on Netflix. There will be blood. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I've traveled over half our state to be here tonight. I couldn't get away sooner because my new well was coming in at Coyote Hills and I had to see about it. Ladies and gentlemen, if I say I'm an oil man, you will agree. I'm a family man. So this is a movie that was out a few years ago. Daniel Day-Lewis, who morphs into just about any character uh, that he plays, uh, from Indians to Irishmen to Texas oilmen. I haven't seen this myself. I'm, I've actually seen maybe 20 minutes of it, but uh, I, I hear it's amazing. Yeah, you think that's actually a movie about uh, oil and property rights and what, whatnot. It's actually a movie about milkshakes. So uh, stay tuned for that one and look for the milkshake line when you watch this one, Mike. I think you'll enjoy it. I don't understand that, but let's move on. <laughs> you will. <laughs> Christina, oh, you will. what else we got on Netflix this week? Gerald's Game. And this is uh, based on a Stephen King novel with Bruce Greenwood. This is going to be good for us, Jess. Really good. A great Canadian actor. That's a marriage, isn't it? Working on the difficult things. For better or worse. Let's go in. Get comfy. Bet you think your husband will be back any minute. Try to go for help. There's no one for miles. Gerald? I'm sorry, baby. You don't get to know my name. I don't like this. I'm serious. Stop. I don't like that. Stop it! Are you playing? Is this really what it takes these days? How do we go so wrong? We were happy once. Where are we? Gerald? What? What's happening? Gerald! Okay, this is this is a crazy trailer. This is a Netflix original movie. Uh and if I can just describe some of the action there, uh, it's this husband and wife, and they're having, I guess, a little uh, sexy game where she uh, she is handcuffed to the bed, and he has a heart attack and basically dies. Right, and there's no one the for miles around. Because they're out at some cabin or cottage. So uh, I don't know how you're going to carry a movie for a couple hours doing that, but it uh, looks like some great actors, and Netflix uh, has been on a roll uh, lately. What do we have uh, coming up on Crave TV? The Disappearance. And this is uh, actually an original CTV Crave uh, uh, series, a six-part series that uh, they have put together. We had to pick a place and describe the customs of its people. I chose our neighborhood. Hey, Larson, isn't this your mom? I want all the pictures back now. You're lucky you're getting a second chance. You can't spy on So I don't know exactly what this is about. Obviously, it's a disappearance uh, of uh, a young boy who likes to take pictures. But uh, if you get a chance, check out the trailer on the CTV website. It uh, it actually looks pretty good. I'm always kind of skeptical of uh, you know some of these Canadian-made dramas. They just don't seem to have the production values of the U.S. series. But this one actually looks really, really good. Let's uh, head over now and uh, switch gears. Crazy app of the week. What do we got? So uh, everyone's going to have a chuckle over this one. I can't believe this is an app. It's called Pimple Popper. And it actually is a game where you get to pop pimples. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hard pass. I hope to God this is <laughs> right? free. I hope to God this is free. It's definitely free on both iOS and Android. But I hear there are people who get a strange pleasure from uh, popping pimples. So yeah. I suppose this would be up their alley. Yeah, hard pass. That's. Yeah. Uh, I don't even want that in my purchased list. Like just <laughs> hard no. Yes, apparently there are different types of pimples and faces that uh, you can play on. Funny enough, uh, this has popped up on my iPhone. I, I have a family account, uh, and I've got some teenagers and a, a young teenage daughter. Uh, and a few years ago, when she was a tween, uh, any apps that uh, anyone downloads in my family, they kind of pop up on my phone as well. Uh, and I've turned that off since because it was driving me crazy. But uh, yeah, pimple popper, I just thought, what the heck is this? There, there, and now you know. There, there is a doctor who actually does this on YouTube and she uses the ad revenue from uh, the videos that she creates to help support people who have things like this that need to be done as a medical procedure. So you can search that one out. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I'm sorry. It. Is she popping? Yes. Yeah. The videos of. On, on video? Yeah. Oh, that's alarming. The disgust on my face is, I mean, yeah. yeah. But anyway, it's a thing. It's a thing. Don't forget to tune in to our website, the App Show, or no, App, Graham, what's the website address? AppShowRadio.com. <laughs> Thank you. AppShowRadio.com. There's a link to our Facebook page there as well. Uh, join us on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got some apps you'd like to see us talk about, we would love to hear from you. Or if you've got some feedback uh, on some of the ones we've reviewed, uh, it's a great uh, place to interact with us. When we come back from the break, we're uh, back with Christina and Travel App of the Week. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Mike, Christina, and Graham here in studio. Don't forget to hit our website, App... What is it, Graham? App Show... AppShowRadio.com. <laughs> AppShowRadio.com. One of these days, I will get that. And uh, it has links to our Facebook page as well, so check us out there. You can uh, message us or uh, contribute to the community. Let us know what apps you think are hot and cool. Right now, uh, we want to talk about Travel App of the Week. What do you have, Christina? I have an app called App in the Air. Sort of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Yes. What does it do? <laughs> this is your personal travel assistant. So this app will help you manage your time at the airport from check-in, boarding, takeoff, and landing time. So it will help you manage all of that time, as well as giving you navigation maps of the airport and things like uh, Wi-Fi um, information so that you can access the Wi-Fi at the airport you're in. And it also keeps track of all of the trips you've been on so that you can actually keep a record of all your flights. I, I don't understand how it manages my time at the airport. So it uh, it actually splits up your time into four stages, check-in, boarding, takeoff, and landing time, and gives you, you know, guidance on how you should be using that time so that you don't miss your flight. Does it know if there's like longer lines or is it just giving you kind of a general guideline? It's giving you a general guideline, but it does update you on changes in your flight in real time. And it doesn't even require a data connection for this. Uh, you, it can do it right through SMS. Oh, really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. And uh, is it free or is there pay options? Uh, it is free. There is an in-app purchase option as well. And what does that give you? Uh, I think it gives you uh, access to some more robust features like uh, automatic check-in and things like that. Very cool. That's all the time we have left. I want to thank Christina and Graham, my co-hosts and producers for putting this together. We'll see you again next time.
You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.